open your Bibles once again to 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5. We're going to look at the last half of that verse. So earlier, our focus was on the motivation, God's love. I want to love like God loved me. And lastly, we'll look at our example. I want to walk like Christ walked. I want to be like Christ. I want to follow in His example. So Father, we come to You again in the name of Your Son, our example. And we want to be like Christ. Lord, would You make us more like Yourself. Lord, would You direct our hearts to You, to Your heart, to how You walked. Lord, we thank You for Your example. We thank You for Your, your, your perfection. Lord, your, your heart, Your attitude, Your joy, Your love, Your peace. Lord, just everything about You. We thank You and we praise You and we thank You for going to that cross and dying for our sins that we could stand before You today perfect, perfect, spotless, with Your righteousness, Lord, clothes not, not our own, but from You, covered the robes of righteousness. Lord, and we look forward to standing on that day and, and really seeing, as we ought, what You've done for us, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Alright, well, let's read once again 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 1-5. through 5. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the Word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you, and that you will be rescued from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. So here we are again, brethren. We're in this evil world, and we're facing lots of things, just like these Christians. We're facing many difficulties and trials through many tribulations. The Bible says we must enter the kingdom. We're going to face it. If you're not in it now, you will. And, and if you just got through it, get ready for the next one. <laughs> They're all for our good brethren. We know it. There's no, no conflict like the Christian. I mean, you think back when you were lost and it just you did whatever you wanted to. Whatever your heart desired, you did. You went about the day and you just did whatever pleased you, whatever... Whatever made you feel better, there was no fight, there was no struggle against sin. We were, we were slaves to sin. That's, that's what we were in bondage to. Our own lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life and the desire for other things and the deceitfulness of riches. That's, that's what our hearts were directed to. But praise God, the Lord can direct a person's heart and make it give us a tender heart, a new heart, a heart that loves Him and is directed to the things of God. And that's what you're here this morning. You're, you're wanting to see more of the things of God be directed there. And so we're going to look at Christ's example. You see it there, the steadfastness of Christ in verse 5. Some translations, the patience, the endurance. And specifically, Paul brings these things up, I think for, for many reasons. We looked earlier at some of the reasons, God's love. He wants to remind them of these things. But then Christ's steadfastness, because one of the reasons was 
If you, if you look in chapter 2, um, the Christians were, were thinking that Christ had already come. Why? Because there were deceivers. People were saying, look, you missed it. Christ already came. You know, give up. Uh, that's why some of these brethren, verse 6 and the following verses, um, a, a verse my dad would often quote to me when I was lazy, Evan, if you don't work, you don't eat. Like, <laughs> if you don't get up out of bed on time, you don't get breakfast. <laughs> Sorry. And so you go on and tell lunch. <laughs> that's the thing. Brethren, don't worry. Christ has not come yet. He's going to come. He hasn't come yet. Don't buy into those lies. And so that Paul is saying, remain steadfast. You know, many, many battles, wars, and you can think back over history where you're, 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 uh, you're held down in this fort or you're, you're, you're fighting the good fight and the enemy's attacking you, but your hope is that there's, there's help coming. You know, there's, there's reinforcements coming. There will be help. And, and say, you know, a messenger gets, uh, has a letter. They get, they get a, you receive this letter saying, oh, help's not coming. It's no longer coming. You know, this is it. Like just the, the hope, the hopelessness of that situation. You know, here you are fighting and you realize hope is not, there's no more hope. Like help is not coming. But see, the Lord is faithful. The Lord is coming. We do know the Lord is coming. And, and you can take encouragement in that, brethren, knowing that God is going to save us to the uttermost. He's going to bring you to glory like we talked about earlier. So don't, don't waver. Don't stop doing good. Don't stop working. You know, if, if someone stops working, we are, as a body, to go to that brother or sister and say, you know, you need to work. Look, look at Paul's example. Look at Tafik's example. Look at the brethren in here running well. They, they are, Paul was, was to not be a burden to anyone. He worked night and day. And that's, that's simply because when, when, we're, when a person's working hard, one of the reasons is, is they, they know it's worth it. You know, they know it's good. It's right to be doing that. There's a reason behind someone working, working well. And they, they could be an idol in their life. You know, many people work because it's an idol in their lives. But for the Christian, they're working hard knowing that it's going to be worth it. There's hope at the end. Christ is coming back. And so Paul is he's, he's wanting to, them to think on the steadfastness of Christ as their example. And so today, I want to look at four things of Christ's example for us. Four things that that we don't necessarily see in this passage, but four things that I feel like the Lord gave me specifically about Christ's steadfastness. I think we could, we could think on many things. Um, but in light of the evil days, in light of the context here, I want firstly to look at how He endured patiently, and then secondly, how He stayed in humility Third, how he did good continually. And fourth, how he fought sin relentlessly. And so, in, in view of the hope that Christ is coming, in view of, of striving against evil, how, first of all, how the Lord patiently endured. So, this, in, in the New American Standard, steadfastness, it's not a word that we really see too often, that we use too often. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with it, 
basically it means to stay under. Um, mono is the Greek word. It means to stay under something. And uh, I like that, the, the movie there, the, the true story. I don't know if the guy was a Christian or not, but the movie Unbroken. And uh, I watched it a, a while back. You know, it's the story of the Olympic athlete who, who got caught and captured and put in prison, um, Japanese POW camps. I remember uh, he, he was told to hold this beam and to not drop it. And as he's holding this huge beam over top of his head, and, and the, pers- the, the Japanese uh, officer or whatever is like, if you drop that beam, you're going to die. And so if you haven't seen it, hopefully you can still picture the guy like he's just beaten and battered, and he's holding this beam above his head. And if he drops it, he dies. So that's kind of the idea. It's like to stay under something. Like the Lord stayed under the trial. He persevered under it. He didn't drop the beam. He didn't say, okay, I'm done. Forget this and walk away. That's what it means to be steadfast. And if, if you're in construction, you know, it's kind of the same thing as like a, a fastener. It's, you screw a fastener in it, you know, it's, it stays fast. Hold fast. You know, Lord, uh, the, Paul says in, in a previous verse, stand firm or hold fast to the traditions which you were taught whether by word or mouth or by letter from us. So don't waver, but hold fast, hold tight to Christ, to His Word, to the things I taught you. You know, Paul came and he taught him these things. He said, Christ isn't going to come back until, you know, we're not going to get in the end times, but uh, unless the apostasy come, comes first and the man of lawlessness is, is revealed. So there's certain things that are going to happen before Christ comes back. And so Paul is just saying, hold fast, be steadfast, like Christ, keep working, you know, wherever the Lord has you, whether it's in a, 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 you know, a simple job, you, moms, raising your children, hold fast, it's worth it. The Lord has you here, keep going in those things. Christ is coming, He's going to make everything right, and so it, it's going to be worth it. Um, Hebrews 10 we have need, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so, question, how can we get more endurance? Well, I think if you look at, at another passage that's really helpful, Romans 5, you can turn there. Romans 5, the first five verses. Talking about endurance, Christ's steadfastness, how he endured patiently. So, one reason, one way he endured patiently was the hope. And the reason I talked about Christ's coming is because with Christ's coming, we have this hope, this living hope in Christ. You know, the lost, they don't have a hope, they don't have a living hope. They don't know Christ, so they don't know that He's coming for them and He's going to rescue them. But we do have a hope. We know Christ is coming. And Christ, He set His his eyes on that hope of going to heaven to be with His Father and being exalted with Him. So it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope focus on that hope in the glory of God and not only this but we also exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance 
and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And so we begin the Christian life by hope, and we end with hope. And it's like one preacher said, Christian hope is both parent and child to perseverance, to endurance. I hope that makes sense. But it's like you, we, it's hope produces endurance, and then it leads to more endurance, to more hope, rather. It produces endurance, and it leads to more hope. Because the more we endure, the more hope we have. And so, in order to get more endurance, you know, seeing more of the hope that is waiting us. So, it, it's just the, the idea of, I, I know it's going, I can see the hope. I, I'm setting my, my, my eyes, my goals, my aim is on the hope of glory. So, Christ did that. That's how He endured patiently. He was setting His, his sights on the hope. And that hope never disappoints. So going back to that, that analogy of, of uh, in wartime, like if you, if you know that reinforcements are coming, you have a hope. But if, if they don't come, your hope has been put to shame. And that's what it says in Romans 5. It, it's a hope that never disappoints for the Christian. You never will be put to shame, Christian, if you hope in Christ. And that's going to give you more endurance. So I hope that makes sense. Um, will never be put to shame if we hope in Christ. And that will lead to more endurance. It builds on each other. Um, so Christ was, like Philippians 2 says, He was, for this reason, the Father highly exalted Him by bestowing on Him the name which is above every name. So He was thinking about that exaltation. And we can think about that too when Christ exalts the Christian you know, here we have, we have humbled ourselves under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt the Christian someday for their perseverance, their endurance, everything, Christian, that, the, that you have done, the Lord has taken notice and He will exalt you someday. He really will. The Lord will. If you don't deny Him, He won't deny you on that day. He, he has take, He's faithful. He remembers everything that you do. So that's their first point, is just how the Lord patiently endured in this striving against evil and sin. It, it's such a, a, a necessity in the Christian life to endure, to, to not give up. You know, as children, that's, that's the first thing that as we mature from being a child is we don't just give up immediately when something gets hard, but we endure to finishing the task. And uh, I remember as a kid, one of the very first lessons I learned from my dad and mom was we were out planting some trees and like halfway through I just decided this was not worth it. <laughs> so I went and I snuck inside and, and my dad found me and that was the last time I did that. <laughs> um, so I, had, I learned like, okay, you've got to finish the job. And, and that's one thing you want to teach your kids that my dad taught me is to finish the job and to not give up. I mean, a lot of times you think of the, the athlete. Like, it's just basic um, determination to, to win. You, look, you see it on their face. You see it in their training. Like, they're just determined, I'm going to win. And that's what, that's what Christ did. He just determined. He set his face like a flint, it says. And he determined, I'm going to make it all the way to the end. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stay under this load 
and I'm just going to patiently endure. And you can tell, like I can tell in my own heart, just with, with we're going to talk about just our striving against sin later, his relentless striving against it. But I can just tell, you can tell in your heart when you've really decided and determined, no, I'm, I'm not even going to entertain that thought, that sin. Like that was the Lord every day. He just didn't even begin to entertain a single thought about doing something that was sinful, that wasn't according to his Father's will. He didn't even come close. He didn't entertain it. He didn't say, yeah, you know, I'll just kind of play around with that thought a little bit. Maybe I would do that. Maybe I won't. You know, maybe I'll leave just a little crack for, for sin or something like that, for in some impatience or, or, or some bad thought. But no, the Lord, as a man, He never did that. And so secondly, He stayed humble. You know, and you think about as a man. He came down. He came down and dwelt among us. He, he, he was tempted. See, when you're in evil times, we're tempted to try and defend or get back at people, right? And the Lord, the reason why I'm going to talk about humility is the Lord never did that. And when evil people come against us, that's the first thing that's going to try and get to you, brethren, is get back at them. Make them feel the way they felt to you. And the Lord never did that. He stayed humble. And, and really what it is, is it's humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. And it's trusting Him that he, he knows best, that He's doing this for a reason. And so the Lord, He always did that. He always humbled Himself under, under His Father's will to, to carry out the work. And so from, from the very beginning of His life, the, the incarnation... What a, a mystery that is. John 1 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He, he was in a womb. He was an infant. He was, he was dependent on others. He was submissive to His parents every day. Every single day He submitted to His parents and He obeyed them. Um, Luke 2, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And he, he took pains, just like us, every day. I know, Christian, it's hard to wake up and open the Bible and read it. It's not easy all the time. But every day, the Lord took pains in knowing what Scripture said and being able to go to Deuteronomy in the, in the wilderness and say, no, Satan, the Bible says this. Like He took pains to know that. He actually had to discipline Himself, just like us, as a man, like, I need to know what the Bible says so I can use it appropriately, like the sword of the Spirit. He did that. He humbled himself like that. As a carpenter, he created all things, and yet he, he messed around with wood chips, and he probably hit his hand in trying to, to hammer something in. I mean, as a carpenter, he, for 30 years, he, he lived that, that way without, without anybody knowing who he was, the creator of the universe. And think about how he, he discipled those guys and patiently trained them just when they always seem to miss it. And the same for us. We, just, we seem to miss it all the time. And the Lord is so patient, so kind. His example in how we should be patient with each other, patient with our children, patient with those who now just don't seem to get it. We knowing that the Lord was patient with us when we didn't get it at all. Think about it, his humble situation. Nowhere to lay his head, he said. You know, follow, I'll follow you wherever you go, Lord. Well, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. 
Are you ready to follow me? That's, that's how I'm, I'm living. I've been hungry. I'm thirsting. I'm thirsty. He ate. He drank. He slept. He was weary. He, he felt pain. He wept. He rejoiced. He marveled. He was moved to anger and compassion. This was the Lord. Like He took on flesh and dwelt among us. He was humble, just like us. And so again, we're just looking at the Lord's steadfastness in this. To being humble, He endured. He laid aside His garments, taking up His cross. He laid aside His glory. And He took up a towel. And He washed the disciples' feet. He just continually humbled Himself under the mighty hand of God and didn't, didn't rely on His divinity, didn't rely on being God at the same time. That, that's our Savior. That's our example. And I just I love examples. I struggled with math growing up. I mean, I loved the examples to be able to look at, okay, that's how they did that. And you try and apply it. And that's exactly what we have here. Just a perfect, magnificent spectacular, fantastic example of someone who lived this life um, in a way that we should. We should try and imitate that. You know, just like you all imitate Tawfiq and many in our elders. We, just, we try and imitate them as they imitate Christ. We have them as an example. So Christ is our example. I think about how the Lord, He didn't, he didn't allow Himself to be made king. John 6, they tried to make him king, and he said no, and he escaped. And we, we easily take credit for things, but the Lord, he, he indeed should have taken credit for things. He indeed should have been king. Indeed, he was king, and yet he didn't take credit. He didn't, he didn't take the, the, the praise of man in that regard. Um, so when, when the devil puts in, in your mind to take credit for something that you know I shouldn't take credit for that. Or that, that's maybe not the right time. Or maybe, maybe the devil is trying to tempt you with getting a better position in the wrong way. Maybe at work or something. Remind yourself of Christ. He stayed humble in His position. He, he, didn't, he, he trusted to the Father's timing of His exaltation. You know, the devil was constantly trying to get Him to, to save Himself. You know, on the cross, save yourself. In, in the, the desert, you know, be king. Bow down to Me. I can give you all these things. You know, constantly trying to get him off the path of what the Lord had given him to do. And that's just exactly for us as well, Christian. Like the, the devil, the evil, it's not worth it. Stop. It's not worth it. You know, get off the path. You're being too hard on yourself. And just so look back at Christ's example. He never put himself first. He always put others first. He always thought more highly of others, even though he was the highest of all. You know, how much more? It just, you just want to cover your face and bury your head just how often we think so highly of ourselves. At least I do. I just I feel so ashamed. Here the Lord, He never did. And he was, he was so high, so exalted. It's just amazing. When you're tempted you know, just to defend yourself, realize there's nothing there to defend. Like the Lord didn't defend Himself even though He absolutely should have. He never, he never did. It says in 1 Peter 2.23 when He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to the One who judges justly. And, and that's, that's what we have here in this letter. You know, he's, 
I think Paul is wanting to, to think on, on the fact that God, God's going to make everything right someday. God's going to judge righteously, just absolutely perfect according to everything that anyone has ever done. Just judge perfectly exactly what we did or didn't do. He, just, he's a righteous judge. So you can entrust yourself just like Christ did when, things, when evil is abounding. Isaiah 50, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced, therefore I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. What an example. I mean, that's, that's Christ, that's our Savior, that's our leader, our example. And you think about, again, the workplace, like we have bosses, I know we've all had bosses before that are just not the best examples. Yeah, it's just, why should I be like you? You're not doing a good job. You know, that's the thought that you have. Like, I don't want to be in your position. You're, you know, you're not doing the greatest job. But the Lord was perfect in every way. And so, what an example we have. Secondly, or thirdly, He continued in doing good. So often we hear just the world... They just describe themselves as like, well, I don't do bad. You know, I haven't done anything majorly wrong. I, ha- I haven't murdered. Um, they just simply focus on the negative. You know, don't do this, don't do that. Okay, tell me what I, I shouldn't do and I won't do those things. But the Lord says, you know, the love fulfills the law. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And any of these other commandments are summed up in this one decree. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Lord focuses on the positive aspects. When we become a Christian, we begin to actually do good things, good righteous deeds to God through Christ. Our works are, are, are pleasing to the Lord. And so the Lord continued to do good. Um, and you see this, and if you look at 3.13, just this was on Paul's mind. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary of, of opportunities to do good, to show kindness. You know, Christ was tired, Christ was weary, but He always was kind. He always showed kindness. He was always compassionate. And I know we feel it, brethren. When we're tired, someone calls on the phone, I don't want to talk with them right now. I'm too tired for that. The Lord, He, he always went about doing good. Acts 10, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. So went about doing good and healing. And that's what we're called to do as well. You know, Jesus, even when He was tired and weary, he, he went a different way to save a Samaritan woman. He went out of His way to do good to her. And, and, and I'm so thankful that, that Christ isn't like us. That when, when he got tired, he didn't slack off any. He didn't start doing 90%. But he always did 100% no matter how tired he was. Even like you, tired, weary. It really it just doesn't hit me like it should. I tend to think, oh, the Lord, had, the Lord had some ability that I didn't have. But it was, it was power that he received from the Spirit just like you all have just like I have, 
we can rely upon the Lord and in His Spirit and His power by the strength of the Lord do the same things. He didn't rely on anything else that's not at our disposal as well in persevering and doing good. And so, think about just the, the goodness of, of disciplining your children, training them up. Just persevere in that. Keep going on in that, the Lord is saying. Don't stop doing good. Don't stop just, just, bringing, just giving gifts to your elder or, or just calling someone up, texting someone and saying, I'm praying for you. How are you doing? Are you encouraged? Here's a verse that I had. Like, just persevere in that. Keep doing good in that. That's, that's the encouragement that we have here from this verse. As, a, as another example, I don't know if you've heard of Robert Chapman. He was an example of, of following Christ in this area. So Robert Chapman was like around Spurgeon's days or right after, I believe. And uh, he, was, uh, he owned a grocery store and he was out street preaching and this guy really hated Chapman and he, he, he just, uh, I think he spit in his face and just said all manner of things against him. And uh, so later that day, um, let's see if I can get the story right. Yeah, the, the, he went to the, he sent someone to the guy and uh, I should have looked at it before, but he specifically wanted the guy to come shop at his store and uh, Man, I forget some of the details. I thought I would remember it all. But uh, he just he showed this guy kindness. And he, had, he bought all this stuff for him specifically. And when the guy realized that, that Robert Chapman was the one who had done this for him, he just broke down and wept. And uh, another story, and this was, this was someone that, that shared this with me. It was, it was just a daughter-in-law. who The father-in-law was being really hard on her. And she made him his favorite cookies. And he just broke down and wept. It's things like that. Like I'm kind of forgetting some of the details. But those are the things that the Lord is calling us to endure in. To be like Him. You know, not just to hold back, but to overflow with the love of God and, and steadfastly enduring and showing goodness and kindness to others. So fighting, the last point, fighting His fought fighting against sin just relentlessly, not letting up. And so we're, we're considering the Lord. That's what we're doing right now. We're just considering Christ, our Savior, our hero. Hebrews 12, He was the greatest of faith. He had the greatest faith, the greatest endurance. And it says, Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So the point is there, brethren. Consider Him who resisted sin to the point of shedding His blood. That's, that was Christ. You know, he didn't resist it quite a bit, you know, 80%, but all the way to the point of shedding His own blood for your sin. For my sin, the cup that the Father gave him, he, he drank to the very last drop. That's what Christ did. There's so much to be said here just with regards to the Lord's fighting against sin, the wrath of God that came upon him because of us all, all the, the weight of our sin, every, every wicked look and bad attitude and selfishness and pride in my own heart, that was all laid upon his shoulders squarely and he took it all 
all, all the wrath of God was placed upon him. And he didn't throw it off. He didn't say, oh, I, can't, I can't go through this. He said, it's finished on that cross. He did it perfectly. He took, if you're believing in Christ, he finished the work and he took all of your sin and he paid for it on that cross. That's really what he did. In the garden, when he was facing not, not the, the Romans and the physical persecution, because we know there's, there's martyrs. We know there's, there's brethren who have gone before us who were killed. And they faced it with a lot of joy. But Jesus was facing something that we would never, will never ever face, and that is being forsaken from our Father. Jesus was forsaken so that we never will be. And in the, in the garden, in agony, it says He's sweating, and His sweat were like great drops of blood. That's how much Christ endured. How He resisted sin. You know, they're, they're all screaming, save yourself on the cross. The thief is, the Roman soldiers, the Jews, His own people that, that it says they, they didn't receive Him. His own people rejected Him. And that's how He endured. What a, what a mighty Savior He is. He was crushed, Isaiah says, for our iniquities, our trespasses, and He was raised for our justification. He overcame for us death and the devil. That's how our, our Savior endured. That's how he, he was steadfast. He remained under the load. All the weight of evil and sin. What a glorious reality. So, so much more could be said. But I just want to give some applications here at the end. I mentioned it earlier. Brethren, termination. Just like the athlete. Don't give up. Just set it in your mind. Set it in your heart. I know we can't do anything without Christ. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. But so often we can, we can forget about just the simple reality that we have to endure. If you don't endure, you won't make it. And I know we're, we're again, relying upon the Lord and the strength of His might. But there, there are some who started this race just this past year, dear friends started this race and they're no longer in it. They didn't endure. And we know that ultimately they, the Lord had not saved them. But they're no longer in the race. And the Bible just says they didn't endure. Like it, it doesn't say, in some places, it just doesn't say the Lord, oh, well, they, they were not Christians and the Lord didn't save them. We know that's a reality. But the Bible just simply puts it in plain terms like that for us. Like, you must endure. And so I I just want to encourage you in your striving against sin, look at Christ and how He he strived for your sin, to pay for your sin. He didn't give up once. You know, are you as serious as Christ was about sin in your life and cutting it out when the Lord puts something before you and He puts His finger on something in your life? do Do you really deal with it right away? Do you focus too much on the negative and, and rather the positive? The Lord really loves just our heart. You know, I, I use a lot of these examples, but, but growing up, uh, you know, if, I, if I did something really bad, like my, my, my performance was bad, like I just didn't do a very good job building something or doing something, but my heart was right in it, like the, my dad didn't even really care that how bad I had messed up. It was just like, oh, good job, you know, good job. Like I, I see you really tried, and I think it's the same with us. Like 
as long as our hearts are, are uh, tender and, and full of love and we're doing it out of to please the Lord, the Lord doesn't really care necessarily about our, our performance. He's more after our heart. You know, if your heart is right in it, that's what the, what the Lord is concerned about. I mean, yes, following. I'm not getting away from following the Bible and obeying the Bible. I'm not getting away of that at all. Obviously, they're very connected. But doing good towards others. So, encouraging you in that aspect of it. Are, are you not forgiving someone? Well, just think again how Christ forgave. Here He is hanging on the cross and He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Think about Judas. It says he portrayed innocent blood. The Lord took it so well. I just want to read to you the, the account. While he was still speaking, Judas came. One of the twelve with him, a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the portrayer had given them a sign as Judas The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. We can just so easily read over this. But the one who betrayed Jesus, he went up and he kissed him on the cheek. And the Lord allowed that. Here he was betraying the Lord. And he, he allowed him to come up and kiss him on the cheek. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. He didn't, he, didn't say, he didn't have some bad thought about Judas. He didn't say, you wicked man, do what you came to do. It's been prophesied. He said, friend, do what you came to do. And they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized Him. Behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out His hand and drew His sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off His ear. And Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father? And He will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? See, again, the Lord didn't call on... He didn't call on them. He could have. It was a real temptation to call on those, those angels. But He endured in that. And then, he, and then He's thinking of the servant again. And He heals the servant's ear. Just constantly doing good, constantly thinking of others, and 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 he didn't rely on those legions of angels. Why? Because because for us, like to give us an example of steadfastness. I'm not going to rely on this. I'm not going to call out. I'm not going to to get out of this. I'm going to endure this for my brethren. His steadfastness. It's just it's indescribably amazing. But how then should the Scripture be fulfilled that it must be so? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. Again, just completely innocent. We give people tons of reasons to, you know, to point out things in our lives and we, to, to be annoyed with us or impatient with us. But the Lord never did. He was perfect in every way. And they're treating him like a robber coming with swords and clubs. And then, then all the disciples left him and fled. And again, just the Lord endured. Like the song says, do thy friends despise, forsake thee? 
Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms He'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Brethren, (laughs) I hope that encourages you to endure, to remain steadfast. Though all forsake Him, may you be able to say, "I I won't. I won't forsake Him. I'll forsake me. I won't forsake Him because I know He's not going to forsake me. He's faithful. And so, amen. Let's pray. Father, I just ask You to use this to encourage us, to grow us, make us more like Yourself. Thank You for these brethren. Thank You for the privilege to speak about You. In Jesus' name, amen.